Welcome back to another episode of the Who You Know Show podcast, where what you know is important, but who you know can make all the difference in your business, career, relationships, and life. My name is Trevor Houston, and on this show, you'll learn the strategy, grit, and mindset it takes to overcome obstacles so you can level up in your career, recover your cash flow, and live the life of purpose that God intended for you. Don't forget to look at the mic drop moments timestamped in the show notes below. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure to pay it forward, subscribe and leave an honest review so we can improve. Thanks for listening. My name is Trevor Houston, and please enjoy this episode of the Who You Know Show. Let's welcome to the stage all the way from the UK, we got Johnny Walker, an award-winning digital marketer and a former executive search consultant from London's Square Mile. My first question is, I want to know more about this Executive Edge program because you say that you get to help job seekers, executives, and senior level, and that's a similar market that I help as well. And so I'd like to hear more about your Executive Edge program and what do you guys do over there? The Executive Edge program was born out of my executive search career when I was helping six-figure, seven-figure types change jobs. I worked in the Square Mile, which is the UK's equivalent of Wall Street, so a lot of financial services type on very serious money. It's all I've ever done. And it staggered me how many of them would take my phone call when they didn't even know who I was. Hi there, I'm Johnny. I'm an executive search consultant. We talk about whether or not you'd be interested in the job I've got right now. And 90% of them did. And I'm like, wow, this is the same job you're doing right now, except it's just 10 minutes down the road for somebody else with slightly more money. There were there's no real resistance to moving jobs. So I couldn't work out why it was they were doing things that they were average about. It was just so, they're just, literally ready to leave it in a heartbeat and go and do, down the road for somebody else. So where's the fulfillment? Where's the happiness? Where's the joy? I didn't, which weirded me out that. When we had my daughter, I, I didn't want to go back to London. I didn't want to do the commute or carry on being dad. And so I looked at how I could help all of those six-figure out earners out. And I've been studying digital marketing for years. I got mentored by a really tough guy called Scott Oldfoot in Canada. And I realized that actually that the, the success wasn't to take the next job that was in front of you, but to work out what your ideal job was and then attract it to you. Mm-hmm. There's just a gazillion jobs out there. It's like in needle or haystack. But if you become a magnet, the needle will jump out of the haystack towards you. And then you haven't got to go wait through the rest of it. Hold up. So you said like a magnet, right? We want to attract it. I'm going to give you a mic drop. I want to attract that thing to me. And what are some steps that maybe somebody could do to create, right? Because it sounds like you're creating your ideal job or career and success. What are some things that somebody could do to attract it like a magnet? Yeah, there's a seven step uh, program that we created for this based on core marketing principles, which is what I studied. And it is a marketing world nowadays. You and I, Trevor, we're you know, gentlemen of a certain age. When we were a lot younger, our fathers would go into the store to speak to a sales assistant and the sales assistant would try and sell them something, maybe a TV or whatever, a sofa. But nowadays that doesn't really happen. All the information about the TV or the sofa or whatever else you want to know, that's already online now. We don't need to speak to sales. We can do all of our research without speaking to sales. We can make decisions about what we want to buy. And depending on what we're actually buying, we may just put our credit card details into the screen and the thing turns up in the post on the back of a van if it's a slow Sales has been disintermediated from the process. It's now a buyer's world. 
And if you're not convinced of that, you're like, yeah, sure, maybe Johnny. No, just federal. He runs the biggest company on the planet and they don't sell a thing. Nobody at Amazon has ever made an outbound sales tool saying, hey, this stuff's really good. You should buy it. Dang, hold up. That's some good stuff right there. Biggest company and, and they don't sell a thing. That's. They don't. We're just buyers. Incredibly visible. Mm. Like you can't miss them. You do a Google search for something, Amazon's listing is going to be there. And they make themselves very compelling when you go and see them. Ooh. And so they're very persuasive. But the first move has got to be made by the buyer. They've got to decide they want to buy something. And when you're in the job market, and we're speaking to a bunch of job seekers right now, and I'm looking at a lot of names in the audience that I recognize, like Rob and Tesla and so forth, uh, all you guys will know this because you've spoken to me before, is that if you are a job seeker, then the other side of the coin is the hiring manager, and they are going to go looking. They're the buyer in the transaction. And hiring managers want three things. All right, so when you all lean in right now, so I'm going to tell you something really interesting. Hiring managers don't want a sales pitch. They don't want an unsolicited email with your CV attached, exposing your virtues about why you're fabulous. They don't care. All right? When they're in the mood to buy, when they've got a vacancy, when they want to hire, they will go looking. All right? They will start a buying process up. And so if you're trying to sell to them when they would prefer to be allowed to buy, then you're doing the wrong process. Right? That's like pushing my lapses up a hill. Don't do that. Allow the hiring manager to buy. Now, how do you get them to buy you if you don't sell yourself? That means you've got to do the next two things, which is you've got to be visible. When they go looking, they need to be able to see you before they see anybody else. You make yourself super visible, like an oasis in a desert. And the second thing you've got to do is you've got to make yourself compelling. When they see you, they've got to like you more than they like the other people. And there's a seven-step program for that, which is what the Executive Edge program does. I can bore you to death with the details of that if you want to know. But it's basically... Allowing the hiring manager to buy instead of being sold to. And three magical things happen there. One is the process is the right process for the hiring manager. It's what they want, what they prefer. They'd already have sort of the sales pitch, they'll be left for them to buy. So a happy hiring manager is what you want. Secondly, there are a ton of vacancies out there that you couldn't sell yourself to anyway because they're not advertised. How can you sell yourself to a vacancy you can't see? However, if you want to be considered for that vacancy, allow the hiring manager to see you, right? That unlocks all the un, unadvertised vacancies, what's called the hidden jobs market. And so if you want to dramatically increase your chances of being hired, then you want to dramatically increase the pool of vacancies that you can be seen by, by making yourself super visible. And the third thing is this, when a buyer buys, they are much more discerning than when a seller sells. Ooh, ooh, mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> when you're looking at a vacancy and you look at it and think, oh, I can do 75% of that. I'll work the rest out. And that's probably true. You're a pretty talented individual. You're not an idiot. You're going to turn up with three quarters you gained in the bag and the rest of it, you are going to work out. The hiring manager's not impressed by that. When they go looking and they see a candidate, they don't look at a profile and they think, oh, 75% match. Let's get them in for a couple of hours of interviews and waste my life and then not hire them. Mm, mm, that's mm. a much higher match. And the reason for that is this. When sellers are selling, they're trying to make money out of a transaction. I don't have any problems with that whatsoever. Principal salespeople, it's how they make a living. What you're trying to do too, you're trying to earn a salary, right? You have that, that gain to make out of the transaction. Buyers are not trying to make money out of the transaction. Buyers are trying to solve a problem. So from a seller's perspective, you want to drive down the threshold at which you can sell as much as you can within reason. And around 75%, some customers start to up their wallet and that's when salespeople get excited. But buyers want the quality of the solution to be as high as possible. And again, within reason, I think 100% perfection probably isn't out there. 
but around 95% match, there's a reasonable expectation that the solution might be there. And that's what they'll go looking for. So if you allow the buyer to do the buying, three things happen. One is they're happier because they're getting to do the buying rather than being poor for a sales bit. Secondly, there's a ton more vacancies for you to be considered by. So that's going to make a dramatic impact on your job seat performance. And thirdly, the hiring manager is going to choose you for a vacancy they perceive you to be a very high quality match to. It's going to make your interview a ton easier. Yeah. I love it. I love it, Johnny. So it's, it's like when somebody comes to your door and they knock on your door and they're like, Hey, that's, and they're trying to sell you something. You know what I mean? Opposed to you might go buy the exact same thing they were trying to sell you, but you took the initiative to go to the store and get whatever it was that they were trying to sell you. There's a completely different mindset there. And so that's what you're talking about. You're talking about inbound versus outbound, right? And exactly what I've got. I started digital marketing. I'm all about the inbound. There's a third psychological kicker to sorry, fourth psychological kicker to When you turn up for the interview, yeah, if you've sold yourself into it, there's, a, there's an element of the hiring manager being there metaphorically with their arms crossed and gone and impressed me. Whereas when you've been bought, really found you, they've made a decision. They've made a determination and an assessment, if you like, that they think you're the right candidate. Yeah, they've made their best judgment so far. And actually what they're looking for is for that judgment to be confirmed. It's an ego stroke if they've got that. So actually you've got a thing called confirmation bias working for you. People go looking for confirmation that their instinct, their judgment was correct. They're not looking to be disproved. So actually you've got them psychologically winning you to succeed at interview because that flatters their judgment. They got the right person in. So when you get a buyer to buy you instead, you have massive more vacancies, a much happier process. You get a much discerning interview. Yeah, because you're much closer to match. And then when you turn up, you've got someone practically cheerleading. You do not, for love of God, turn yourself with a vacancy. Please work out how to get yourself forked because your life gets so much easier. I love that. Johnny, yeah, you're speaking my language too, okay? It is so much easier if you've got this inbound lead, okay? And I know what I teach the job seekers is to really create content that, that showcases themselves as a thought leader in their industry. So if I'm in HR, I want to make content around some of the biggest mistakes happening today in HR. What are the hot topics? What are the things that are being spoke about today in HR? If I'm in that industry, I want to create content around it. And one of the ways everyone knows is I don't know how to do that. One of the ways you can do that is just go to Google and just type in top HR mistakes and figure out what people are already creating content around and then you recreate it, right? You put it in your own words. What are some things that you teach your audiences to, to drive that, that thought leadership and that inbound lead where people see you become to uh, know, like, and trust you. And they want to buy you as you were talking about content um before you write any content go and do some reading instead go onto linkedin do a search in the top left hand corner of the search bar for some keywords related to topics that are relevant to your industry and then filter by posts you can filter by people you can filter by vacancies then right at the very top there i want you to re-rank that content not by most relevant but by latest yeah so the most recent post to be at the top rather than the thing the algorithm is trying to get that is relevant so now you've got content that's relevant to your industry and it's in the most recent chronological order first, okay? And then have a read of it. Have a skim read of it. And every time one you think, yeah, do you know what? That's not just a vacancy listing. That's actually somebody saying something interesting. Leave a comment. 
All right. Don't leave a, a yeah, great post comment. Make it conversational. So I've just read your post about blah, and I particularly like blah, and have you thought about blah? And the author will respond to you, and maybe one or two other people reading your comments will do as well. And you do that two or three times a day for a week. And at the end of the week, you've got about 15 comments out there, most of which have got a reply from the author, but one or two would have really touched people's pop-ups. And those one or two, yeah, it's going to be literally about 15% of your total output. So one or two, three, if you're really lucky, comments that have generated a little conversation in the comment section of the thread. Three or four people piled in as well with the, yeah, I agree with you, or no, I violently disagree with you, or what are you smoking? It doesn't really matter. <laughs> that is suddenly an engaging thing that you said. Now, there's things about that. First of all, is that post, if you're lucky, has got some hashtags on it, so you can learn what hashtags are going to be useful to distribute your content out. Secondly, that subject has got a willing audience. And thirdly, there's a bunch of people who just piled in the comments that you can name tag at, using the at symbol, when you do your own post. So you can use your comment as almost like a reconnaissance mission to sneak out or to, to smoke out what the really interesting topics of today are. And the rest of it, you can 85 to 90% of your comments can just die of the comments. That's fine. It's good content in itself. But 5, 10, maybe 15% of your lucky of the comments will like a firework or really take off in the comments section. I'm just going to repurpose that as my own original thoughts. So that comment about why... I mean, I deal a lot with financial services people. There's a lot of chat about cryptocurrency and whether it has a place in mainstream investment funds. And I, and I wrote something about it being speculative rather than investment and it's more akin to gambling than, than proper grown-up ROI investment. And I've got that touch on the button, so fine. That little comment there is now going to become a post of its own because I know already there's a willing audience for that. In fact, I can nick some of their names and tag them in at the bottom of the post and give it a bit of a boost. And the comment's done a lot of the heavy lifting for me. So there you go. That's on cotton. Yeah, I love all of that. That's great stuff. You got to get out there and start having conversations, but it doesn't necessarily have to happen in DMs. It can happen in the comments section. And a matter of fact, there's a lot of conversations yeah. back and forth. And LinkedIn actually rewards that too. If you can get, if you can get a back and forth happening inside the comment section, like that's when you start to see posts go viral. If you get a lot of back and forth, like conversations happening there that's when you see that. So I love that, Johnny. Cool. Now, secondly, when it comes to, I'm an executive job seeker, I want to get hired. Johnny said, do some content and that will do it. No, it won't. All right. Content is a tiny small part of how you get found. Okay. First thing is you want to know what your ideal job is. If you're going to be a magnet, you need to know what it is you want to attract. It can't just be a job because I'm out of work and want money. That isn't going to get it done. And in fact, the more specific you are, the, the, the easier it is. So don't be afraid of being quite narrow and we call it niching down in, in marketing language, but it's just being super specific about what you want. Right. So the first question you need to answer is what is your ideal job really? Get clear on that. All right. Cause then you can get it to be attracted to you. All right. Most job seekers cast their net too wide narrowly. All right. The riches are in the niches. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But actually now the message, the clearer the audience. Yep. This thing will notice for them. Yep. Then you've got to work out how to articulate that message. So when you know what your pitch is, you want something a little bit more sophisticated than great. And there is a formula for that. It's actually called the five P formula. And it came out of some data that Google created, got a half dozen years ago now. The, the former global head of HR, the man called Laszlo Bock, and he wasn't wild about their hiring performance. And he analyzed it like Google would, treated it like a data exercise. Then he published it all in a white paper. And I'm a data freak, so I consumed all that. 
like a fat kid with an ice cream bowl. I just ate it all up. And that informed me on how to create a very powerful elevator pitch. And it's a five-week format that I published it on LinkedIn. It's not a secret, so I won't bore you with it all right now. Then you want to know where to put that message. I said, you've got to be visible. Yeah, you've got a hiring manager has got to see. And there are places where the hiring manager is going to go looking. And most of the people listening right now have been hiring managers, so you know where these places are. You're going to look on a CV board, and the more senior you are, the less likely that is to be. You're going to need a good CV. So you want to put that message on your CV. They're going to go looking on LinkedIn. They'll do a keyword search and see who pops up. Uh, interesting thing, we were talking about content earlier. Where you appear in the search rankings is dictated by a whole bunch of factors, including how closely you match the keywords. But if you all match the keywords, what else do they use? Content. Those people who produce content, and particularly if it's engaging content, get pushed up the ranking more than people who don't do content, right? It is one of the factors that uh, LinkedIn will use. And by the way, if anybody tells you they know they understand the LinkedIn algorithm, they're lying. I don't either. But there are some things we can test that we know to be true, and this is one of them. They actually have multiple algorithms, and there's not just one algorithm. That's the thing. Is I, I, it's, I, you can't I correct. Yeah, like this audio room we're in right now, this is its whole, it has its whole separate algorithm. Each profile has a separate algorithm. Like there's, so yeah, you're right. When somebody says, oh, we're going to crack the code on this algorithm stuff, they're, yeah, they don't. Oh, because the algorithm is also learning all the time. So you can understand it today, it'll be different tomorrow. So there's just no point of saying, I know the algorithm. Mm -hmm. There are certain basic traits that we can test that are known to be common. That was one of them. Yeah, the best practices. You can do is grow your network. When you do a search on LinkedIn, there is a general trend, not absolute, but a general trend that your first level connections will appear higher up in your search results than your second and third level connections. So if you're a job seeker, you want to grow your network as wide as possible because if they go looking, you want to be a first level connection of it. Yeah. So grow your network, do your content. But LinkedIn is just one of four places that a home manager will go looking, TV being another one. Your personal network will be the primary channel. It's the number one channel to market by far. If I'm about to spend it in excess of a hundred thousand on someone. The first place I'm going to go to is my personal network and say, hey, I'm about to hire myself up 150,000 worth of head of widgets. Anybody know anybody good? Because that's the risks the decision I'm about to make. It's, I'm not hiring a data entry clerk. It doesn't work out. Just fire them and get another one. This is a global head of widgets. It's supposed to have quite a high impact on my business. Screwing that higher up. Yeah, that has consequences for me. So I'd rather de-risk that decision. I'll go to my network first. And you may also engage the services of a recruiter. Any consultant. But those are the four big fields in which you want to be the tall poppy. Yeah. What about Johnny? What about other social channels and how do you see executive level career, uh, job seekers utilizing other social channels other than LinkedIn? Yeah, I'm a, an aggressive user of a, of a, an emotional trait called empathy. I think it's one of the most aggressively successful things anybody can do is use empathy. And so. My job isn't to work out what the next social media channel is. Um, my job is to watch, listen, and learn from the people who are doing the looking, which will be HR and the hiring manager. What channels are they using? And until they use another channel, I don't really have to think about it. And so my answer to that is it will be informed by the buyer. Follow the buyer. They'll take you where they want to go. If buyers certainly HR and hiring managers suddenly start looking on I don't know, uh, Reddit for technology specialists, then you know what? I might well become a contributor on Reddit. If I agree with that, but I will also say this. Let me ask you a question. Let's just say you're in the recruiting or hiring space and you have a LinkedIn profile and that's where you're primarily doing your buying. You're buying the candidate on LinkedIn. However, 
You also have a personal Facebook and you have a personal TikTok and you have a personal Instagram and you have all these other personal accounts, but you're still a buyer. It doesn't matter what channel you're on. The, you may not be going to Instagram necessarily to buy, but you're still a buyer. And so if I see what I'm looking for on Instagram or if I see what I'm looking for on a different channel, it's actually a really, a really good place because you're catching them off guard. They're not in buying mindset and they see what they're looking for. And next, the next thing they're looking you up on LinkedIn, right? So I think that can happen too. It can. I, I'm not convinced of it's of the ROI on it. I think that once you've covered CV and LinkedIn and personal networks and recruiters, particularly if you're a senior job seeker, the rest of the market is going to be such a minority share of how you'll be successful that the law of diminishing returns will apply and you've got to draw a line somewhere, otherwise you'll be on social media channels until you die. Oh, sure, sure. I'll say like TikTok is a hot spot for career search, actually, especially because you'll see a lot of these, a lot of the career coaches on TikTok are blowing up in Madeline Mann and oh my gosh, JT O'Donnell, like she's got like two and a half million over there because people are eating up the info and there's a lot going on. There's a lot of activity. So I think where it is, it's where attention goes money flows, right? Yeah. It doesn't necessarily matter what the medium is. It's just where attention goes, money flows. Yeah, that's true. In marketing, we talk about the three M's, the market, the message, and the medium, the medium being the third. Market is just who your audience is, messages, what it is you're trying to sell them, uh, and the medium is the channel which you're trying to sell them to. But JT O'Donnell, I've got a lot of time for the lady. I think she's amazing. Uh, and there are some other people over on TikTok. They are career coaches. They do what I do. Yep. They're where their buyers are, which is the job seekers. But the hiring managers are. So if you're a job seeker, I wouldn't make a job seeking profile on TikTok to try and attract the attention of a hiring manager. I think that there's a very low ROI over there at the moment. That will change for sure. LinkedIn will stop being the primary channel one day. There'll be something else. It's just the medium. For now, I think that the four big ones that all hiring managers on HR use are CV, LinkedIn, personal networks, and recruiters. But the thing that bothers me most, and I go back to my search career, I would ring up, hey, Trevor, we haven't spoken before. You're a global head of widgets, and I've got this global head of widget role. Can we have five minutes? You're like, yeah, sure. Tell me a little bit about it. We'd have a conversation. And if it passed the, the sniff test that the salary wasn't wildly out and all the rest of it, the location wasn't a, in a deal break, but then we'd set up a, a proper longer conversation when you weren't in your office. And it'd be interested in the role, and, and maybe you'd go for it, and maybe you'd get it, and that would be your next job. But I was the one who was in charge of what your next move was. Yeah. You were just waiting, like some executive plots of Jetson for someone else to tempt you with a thing. You weren't really driving your own career. You were just waiting for the next opportunity to come along. I think a lot of people fall into that trap of not being in charge of where they go next. The, the job they get next is just whatever happened to be in front of them at the time they're in the mood to change jobs. Most people change jobs and they don't really pick the employer. They just pick a vacancy that happens to be in front of them at the time. Whereas that, the program we run, I don't see you should have to do that. We have some data at my end. I talked earlier about I'm, I'm a data freak. That, uh, depending on what industry you're in and how senior you are, there are some variables here, but somewhere between roughly 5 and 15% of any one market is looking for someone like you at any one time. So if you were to pick on 20 employers, there's a likelihood that at least one of them, 5% of 20, at least one of those employers is trying to find someone like you. So you get to long list the market. Rather than being a candidate, but on the hiring manager's long list, you can long list the employers. And then we can put you on their radar so that one of those 85 to 95 percent are just going to ignore you. That's fine. They don't have a vacancy. They don't have that property. But one to three of them are going to go, oh, that's interesting. That's causing me complain right now. I'd really want to 
I want to know some more. And then you're going to get invited for an interview for a job that you match really well at an employer that you prefer. Now, this is exercising what I would call extreme control over your career. Not that I think that you can make some massive exits. You end up working for an employer that you really want to work for a job that you can do really well. Did you go bought for? Yeah. Yeah. You got to take control of your career search. You can't just let this happen to you. You got to take control. And that's the key message I want everybody to take away. If you're in the career search right now, I want you to think about what are the things that you can do that are in your control to gain that visibility, to get noticed, to be where the employer is buying you to, to Johnny's point. Make sure you go to his profile, look for that seven steps to six figures. It's all about the cash flow. So seven steps to six figures and make sure you follow him and ring his notification bell. That way you get notified when he comes out with new content. That's like free. You know what I'm saying? When people create that content that's that free stuff that can help you johnny thank you so much for being here with us today thanks for listening to the who you know show podcast my name is trevor houston and if you've enjoyed this episode consider subscribing wherever you listen and leave us a positive review to help us keep the mics on in the studio until next week that's the show it's all about who you know who you know